In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. I discovered that it was easier to love her than to accept her. I loved her, but I hated her at the same time. And the problem was I didn't accept her. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. From Men in the Arena, it's Equipping Men in 10. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we We salute salute you. you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. This is Equipping Men in 10, and I'm Jim Ramos, and I'm here with our producer, co-host, and ministry partner for almost 20 years, Dale Culver. How's it going working for me, man? Uh, I love it, man. I can't yeah, think of anything else like, I'd rather yeah. do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised. You st- I don't know. If you ever quit, I would probably have to I might, resign. I wouldn't quit. Hold up, I might Close up our doors and go back into yeah. uh, do some real estate stuff or something. <laughs> when I moved to Tennessee, uh, you know, I, I won't quit. You might fire me, but... Yeah. yeah, you keep saying that. <laughs> you couldn't handle life without meeting with me once a week. I could. That, that coffee time I would meet you with you every like, day with Zoom. I know you would. I know. I know you would I do miss it. you, Jimmy. I know you would take all the money I pay you just to have coffee with me without doing your job. So whatever. Thank you for that. Whatever. Keep giving. <laughs> I know. I can still frag you, man. Don't forget it. Okay. Hey, do you have a man law for us? Yeah, this actually, because I love my boss so much, this was inspired by you and my oh, wife. Great. My wife, uh, it's her birthday this week. Happy birthday, Heather. So it's the birthday week, right? So we are um, every day she's getting a gift and I'm pampering her to pieces, like rubbing the lotion on the feet. Whoa. Uh, hey, what do you need? I get up, I'm like, Can I get you anything? You know So I'm, you're doing a birthday week? I'm doing a birthday hey, week. Where'd that idea come from? Well, I just said it. You. No, you, I don't do that. I thought you. you oh wait, no, oh, no. you do She's a, got birthday me doing a birthday day or a birthday month, birthday day. But yeah, from Clarence Schuler's podcast, I'm working on every twenty third of the month. Yes, acknowledging that that is my wife's birthday. When day. I heard that, I was like, oh, I already missed it. So I want to bless her more. So I already do the coffee, get it prepared yeah, in the morning, totally. the, the breakfast and her lunch and all that stuff before she heads out, but. What also too, and I did it. And I don't. She never said anything. I must not have got it hot enough. I went in and I fired up the dryer with the towel in there, and I brought it to her. So I go, oh, I got this for you, honey. The hot oh, towel. That oh. is a great yeah, idea. He said that too. This so, uh, yeah. Treat them like first class. Treat them like, like first class, class baby. Class. 
Yeah. No, so, that's good. Guys, so, do that. Well, that's interesting. Do you know what the topic is of this podcast? Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? Jesus? No. <laughs> so the topic today is something that was inspired by the late Reggie Campbell. Uh-huh. He wrote a book called What Radical Husbands Do. It's a little Hot tiny... Hot towels for the wife, baby. That wasn't in that book, I don't think. But <laughs> no. he wrote... It's a little small book, and when we did the interview, I was shocked, honestly. It's one of the best marriage books I've ever read. It was so good. The ideas that he gave me were so good because he had a very high-maintenance marriage. And and my wife and I have a high-maintenance marriage. We're deeply in love with each other. Uh, honestly, we are best friends. I mean, like, I want to be with her all the time. But we have a high-maintenance relationship. It takes a lot of work, and it's always taken a lot of work. And I want to go back and share a little bit with the guys about our journey because here's what I want to tell guys, and here's the title of today's podcast. Accept your wife more than you love your wife. Mm. Now let me explain what I mean, mm. and let me explain what Reggie talked about in his book. My my first year of marriage was hell. In fact, I had a book just came out this week. It's a great book, guys. You really help me out. Go buy that book. You can get it hardcover. Soft cover. Right now, we're selling them in ebooks for ninety nine cents. Wow. If you write a positive review about the book, uh, anyway, this is a great book. But there's a chapter in the very early parts of the book called "The Honeymoon from Hell," and to describe <laughs> our nightmarish honeymoon. And honestly, the week after that, that week that we got home from our honeymoon, I realized I was in trouble. I realized I had made a mistake in getting married. So Shanna and I got married nine months after we started dating. Our premarital counseling was an informal joke where mm. the pastor had no tools. <clears throat> and the only thing I remember from counseling is he said, well, you guys, with your personalities, you're either going to have a great marriage or you're going to have a rocky marriage. And after 30 years, I can say he was true on both accounts. It's great <laughs> and rocky. And so I, I downplay, but we have a great relationship. Anyway, we really did not know each other the way we probably should have. And here's the thing. Even though I was in full-time ministry, I never approached anyone, and no one ever approached me to discuss with my wife life goals and all these things. So we fell in love because we loved Jesus and we loved each other, and we thought that was going to hold us together, and that is probably what kept us together, but that is not what ended up holding us together, because we needed to make some adjustments. And I'm going to tell you some things that, you know, it's really interesting. I discovered that it was easier to love her than to accept her. I loved her, but I hated her. At the same time. And the problem was I didn't accept her. And here's why, Dale. This happened in 1992. But if we were dating today, she sold me a Facebook profile that wasn't reality. <laughs> and I did the same for her. So we put out this dating persona, but she never actually saw who the real Jim was. And I never actually saw who the real Shanna was. One, we didn't know each other. And the other reason is, in a dating relationship, in a non-committed relationship, means non-committed means we're not married. 
It doesn't mean living together. That Living together has nothing to do with commitment. Because of this, I didn't show her the whole program. So the week after we got home, I realized, what? She didn't cook. She was a waitress at the time with no aspirations of furthering her. She had a two-year college degree. She had no aspirations of going to a four-year college. She was a waitress making just literally a couple hundred bucks a month. Well, if you're a waitress, working can't part time. She was a waitress. She took <laughs> cooked food to people. You work at a food place. <laughs> so, so I was working, you know, a full-time ministry position as an area director for Youth for Christ. And I was cooking and doing, and it just was a nightmare. It was it was really bad. I, I felt like, and then I realized, wait, you don't read the Bible every day and pray every day, you know. So I, all these things were coming to the surface about her, and all of these co- things were coming to the surface about me to her, and we were in a really rocky place. I told my mom about a month after my marriage, and my mom to this day still laughs because we're, we have such a great marriage now. I told my mom, I said, Mom, I made a huge mistake. But man, I was committed to never getting divorced. So I thought, okay, I am never going to divorce my wife. I didn't think I was going to murder her. So I I did something I'm ashamed of. And you know the story. I prayed for her death. I actually prayed on more than one occasion for God to take her out. Tragedy, cancer, horrible. I prayed things that were horrible and heinous. I was I felt like I was in a prison and I was trapped and I didn't know what to do. And I went to a dark, dark place that I am ashamed of to this day. Until I had an experience that changed everything for me, I realized that I had no power to change Shanna. All I could do was change myself. And so I decided I I had a gut real strong God moment, and I decided during this God moment that I was going to accept her where she was. I was not going to ask her to change, but I was going to live my life out loving and out serving her. And if she changed because of that, that would be wonderful. (laughs) And if not, I would do that anyway for the rest of my life. That So I basically died that day. I died that day in 1995. I died. And I decided I'm just going to accept her, and I'm going to serve her and love her right where she's at. I'm going to try to be Christ to her. And I didn't want to do it because I realized what that was going to cost me. Everything. Everything. So I I would say about a year into our marriage, I went all... No, that would be three years into our marriage now. I went all in because after... You know, we struggled. And so I went all in. And she began to see that I accepted her for who she was, and she began to change, and she began to reciprocate. And it really was the beginning of a beautiful relationship, a really, honestly, a classic love story. We just have a wonderful, uh, deep love for each other, uh, and we still have our moments because of our personalities. We're such person, similar personality types. But it was when I came to accept her, that she was enough, that's when things began to change. And so, guys, marriage is hard, but I want to encourage you to accept your wife where she's at and begin loving her as Christ is. 
and this Christ loved the church, and this Christ loved us. And so here's what I want you to do, guys. Here's your boots on the ground. Here's your application. Here's your action assignment. I want you to not consider physical features. So I want you to make a list, and on the list can't be butt, boobs, legs, (laughs) hair, face, none of that. No physical features. I want you to write down a list of everything you love about your wife. Like, just write down what made you fall in love with that woman. Write down, for me, for Shanna, she's fierce. She's faithful. She's holy. She's deeply devoted to Jesus. She's a tremendous friend. She loves to be uh, engaged in things. She's incredibly uh, uh, into her health. I mean, she laughs. She's fun. She likes to vacation. She just takes risks in life. So these there's so many things about her I love. Make a list of all the things you love about your wife, the things that say to her, you are enough. And then just take her on a date and tell her. Pull the piece of paper out and just read it to her. And when you take the piece of paper away and look her in the eye, hand her a tissue. She'll be crying. And then go home and get ready for a ride in the sheets. (laughs) (laughs) That should not be your motivation. But guys, what I'm trying to tell you is this. Accept your wife where she's at, and be Christ to her. The Bible says in Romans, God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Mm -hmm. And so you can do that with your wife. So God bless you guys. Dale, drive us home, brother. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. And... Be a man. You've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world in our Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of biblical manhood. Make sure to explore our website at meninthearena.org, sign up for the weekly equipping blast, and take advantage of our many free resources designed to help you become your best version of a man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, Everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.